Amen. God is so good. Amen. How many would just stand up on your feet and shout hallelujah if you're happy in Jesus today? I know. I know. We're the rowdy church. I'd rather be rowdy than dead. Amen. And I know it's not outward show. Trust me, I understand that you can be loud and have no substance. But how many want both? Substance and joy in the kingdom of God. Amen. Well, welcome back. I see some faces I haven't seen yet in 2022. Welcome to your first Sunday of the year in person. And uh, so I, I say that playfully. I know for some it's been a real tough start of the year. And so, uh, but there's no better place to be, amen, than with the people of God, uh, in the presence of God, and now the Word of God opened up. So let's just open our hearts, just put your hands out like you're receiving something today. Lord, we receive uh, the teachings that are from your scripture that come to us. I'm, the, I'm just a simple man, but Jesus, you said the Holy Spirit, the anointing would teach us about all things in 1 John 2.20. So I ask for the anointing of the Spirit, the Spirit who is called the Spirit of Truth. I'm asking that the Holy Spirit of Truth would be just released in this place. And like Apostle Paul prayed, I pray that the eyes of every heart would be enlightened in order that we may know. Say that with me. In order that we may know. God, I'm asking that you would take us from head to heart and then out into our hands of faithful, fruitful kingdom living in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, welcome, everybody. My name is Chad, and I'm uh, just one of the, the leaders here at Radiant Central Coast. We have a lot of wonderful leaders and, and just ministry leaders and small group leaders. and It's just we're, we're really, really blessed. Amen. How many are thankful for the beautiful people? Um, the, the title for today's talk, if you go to that scan, you can find, you don't have to go there, Justin, but just I have the teaching notes made available um, from the QR code. It's the first bar. You can just look at what I'm looking at to see what I'm teaching here. Um, but I, the, the phrase this week that's been getting me because I realized how many would say today you were never done learning? In fact, how many would say you're not just done, not done learning. You're not done learning things you've already learned once or twice before, but you forgot and you had to relearn. Ah. That stings me because I realized I went back to some patterns of thinking that I kind of took on right at the beginning of March of 2022 because January 20, March 2020, I'm sorry, I started realizing I had some thought patterns that felt eerily similar in January 2022. And I thought, Stop. You've thought those thoughts before. Are you going to lose lose heart and lose vision even just for a moment? Or are you going to put your hand back on the plow and follow Jesus because he is still on his throne and the spirit is still moving and the word is still unshakable and eternal and everlasting. And so here's what I thought. This message is for me like every Sunday, just as it's for everyone in this room. And those watching online, bless you for those who are joining us. We love you. Here's the phrase, adversity as a catalyst for advancing the purposes of God. 
How many would say when Jesus painted the picture in Matthew 7 that the rain falls and the streams rise and the winds blow against the righteous and the unrighteous? Raise your hand if you agree with Jesus. So rain comes, right? Streams rise and wind blows on every person on the planet. How many would say I'm exempt to that reality? No one's exempt to that reality. And so the, the, like the, the, the point of today's talk is that when adversity comes, when we feel those streams start rising, we sense the headwinds. Instead of running from, we, we run forward. Instead of letting adversity, difficulty knock us off, we anchor down and we say, Lord, what are you doing in and through? And how can this difficulty, this trial, this tribulation, this, this sense of pain or, or suffering, how can, Lord, you leverage this so that instead of retreating, I can partner with you in advancing your purposes. Am I, is anyone tracking so far? And so I realized that the January 2022, I started going, oh. I think I, I, I don't think I learned this lesson. I don't think I was quite there yet. And so this message is for all of us. Uh, this has been, a, as we've said, these, these first this first last couple years have been trying and I don't trivialize any of the tribulations or trials that you have gone through or that others that you know have gone through. But what I want to propose today is that adversity, difficulty, suffering and what we would perceive as setbacks have a unique opportunity because you have access to God's greater purposes because you're a child of God. They don't have to move us back. They can actually serve like a boomerang or like a sail on a ship. You can take the wind, turn that sail a little bit, and let it push you forward in advancing God's purposes. How many buy it? How many believe? Why else would every apostle, almost all of them were martyred, why would all of them say that suffering, difficulty, why do all of them have the same kingdom perspective, consider it joy? Because the word of God is not changed and it's not chained, and God's purposes are advancing on the earth. And so I'm this, this is not a rah-rah. This is a real teaching. I'm not just trying to hype you up. But I want, if as a church, we grabbed a hold of this reality, that difficulty, even to being, dis, like the, the onset of discouragement and adversity, we can, in the Spirit of God, leverage those things to actually move forward instead of retreating. So there's hope. Everyone say there's hope. And on these moments of reflection, I have just a couple of thoughts here. And again, it's available in the notes to reflect on our faith and our focus. When we have difficulties, how many some how many would say sometimes you'll never stop to reflect unless you're forced to stop? Come on, somebody. So it's an opportunity to reflect. Number two, to reconsider our priorities our life practices and purposes. When something difficult happens, it uniquely gives us a window of time, sometimes against our will, to stop, to reflect, and reconsider. Number three, I would hope that it's also a chance to redirect some of those places of our affections and our appetites and our allegiance. And then number four, most importantly, that we could respond to the call, to the command, and the commission. Those three words were new. The Holy Spirit gave me as a simple way to remind myself of God's big plans. The call, the call of Jesus is what? Come to me. Amen. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. How many are thankful Jesus says, come to me? Who? Only the religious elite, super spiritual. 
the heavy laden, the bound, the broken, the weak. So the call, everyone say call. Come to me. Who's that for? The command. I say this, and I borrowed this from Bickle, affection-based obedience. If you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me. So it's affection-based. It's out of that love reservoir for God. We want to obey him. And then the commission, everyone say commission, which is to disciple nations, to form others in the way of Jesus as well. So my proposition is what if in a year like 2022, I don't necessarily anticipate things getting easier. Can we do Does anyone agree with that? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a doomsday prophet by any means, but... So we have to learn new patterns of thinking and therefore believing and therefore living in the midst of adversity. Friends, how many believe the Spirit wants to teach the church in the West, particular in our context, a new way of living no matter what we're facing on the outside of us? We've had the luxury, I might say not just the luxury, the blessing to have lived a certain kind of Christianity. It's not been all good. We can talk about Barna and all the statistics. But how many would say we've been pretty stinking blessed in this nation? There's no, there's not really up for debate. But as many of those things and those, those cultural agendas and ideologies continue to deteriorate, like many of those things that we've just taken for granted, we're going to have to learn how to flourish and thrive no matter what we're facing externally because of our internal commitment to the work of the Holy Spirit. So, Chad, what's your premise that adversity can serve to advance God's purpose? Did you just make that up? No, I didn't. I'm going to look at the book of Acts. Just a few passages. We've got to make a recently quick, relatively quick work here about how adversity served to advance God's plans in the nations. And it was actually adversity was the catalyst that got them going. So many of us, we think, if only my circumstances were better, I would obey better. Come on, anyone thought that? If, 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 I, if I was a little healthier, a little more money in the bank, if I, if I had a little better job, and how many know you can sit wishing and wondering a better scenario to obey, but there's no time like now to obey. Not when it's better, not when it's easier, not when it's, there's no time like now to say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Jesus, how are you leading? And then God, I want in. I want to, I want to do it. I want to partner with you. So let's just recap very briefly before we get to the book of Acts. What were the last words that Jesus told his boys, his disciples? And obviously there are women in the upper room of the 120, duh. Matthew 28, 18, we call it the Great Commission. Let's read it together on the screens. One, two, three, go. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Hear it. Say it loud. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Hallelujah. You've got, you've got an assignment. I've got all authority, and I'm always with you. Pretty good equation. Amen? He's got all authority, and he's always with us. 
That's how it starts. That's the top and that's the sandwich. And in between is our commission with him. Go into all the world and disciple. But the good stuff is we don't do any of that in our own authority and we don't do any of it relying on our own strength. All authority. And I'm all, I, listen, this is brand new. I've never said what I'm saying right now. I'm so excited because I, I prayed the spirit would teach us. I'd never seen that. A sandwich, the authority and I'm always with you. And in between, we're, we're hemmed in by God's provision. Woo! I'm sorry, I never saw it. I'm seeing it right now. It's so exciting. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm sorry. That's a joy. You guys know what I'm saying. The all authority. I'm always with you. Go, disciple. We're hemmed in. We're surrounded by God's power and his presence. I'm happy. Woo. <laughs> sorry. I'm happy. Whew. That's cool. Thank you, Lord, that you're always with us. We're never trying to initiate anything, friends. God's always ahead of us. He's always beside, above, below, inside. He's always, always, always. He's with us. But he said this in Acts chapter 1. Let's go to verse 4. While they were eating together, he gave them this command in Acts chapter 1. Don't leave Jerusalem. Say it to your neighbor. Don't leave Jerusalem. But wait. But what? But wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him, verse 6, and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father set by his own authority. But let's read verse 8 on the screens together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, a global mandate, all authority, I'm always with you. You're going to disciple nations, teach them to obey everything, baptize them, initiate them into this new kingdom family of Jew, Gentile, slave, free, male, female, young, old, educated, uneducated. That's going to be your task. But before you set out doing my purposes, you need my power and my presence. And so he says, when you're baptized in the Spirit, it's go time. Someone say, it's go time. When the Spirit comes upon you and anoints and empowers, and you begin to walk in that Joel 2 prophetic spirit. When that happens, then you're ready to go do what I called you to do. So they do. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's a pretty good day at church. <laughs> 3,000 are added. Pretty good. But what we see is they don't leave Jerusalem for eight chapters. God gave them the Judea, all Judea, actually, Samaria, ends of the earth. But what we see in the early church, which I'm so glad because the early church is always idealized. I can't wait till we meet friends from the early church in the age to come. I think they're going to look at us and go, you guys thought we were way better than we were. And that does not mean I'm diminishing their witness. But I just, I'm going to tell you, they're going to tell us all of their human, quirky, weak, goofy stories. Amen? Okay, anyway, I can't prove that, but I think I'm right. They're just going to say we are weak vessels who are just as broken as you are, but we had access, like you do, to the power and presence of the Spirit. I just know they'll tell us that. And just like us, they have a hard time obeying the full will of God when things are sort of going good. Oh, come on, somebody. Here, look, what, look what's happening. Why, here's why they're probably not moving out. 
Because there's some pretty good things happening in Jerusalem. How many know success is not a sign that you've arrived at full obedience? Even fruitfulness is not a sign that you're obeying the full will of God. Oh. Acts, act, look at this is a rapid fire testimony, and I'm already through page two. Those who accepted the message, 241, were about 3,000, and they were added to that number. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's Acts 2, 41 and 47. Acts 4, 4. But many who heard the message believed, this is all still Jerusalem-based, and the number increased to about 5,000. Acts 5, 14. Nevertheless, more and more women and men believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Okay, how many would say amen? I would take this kind of fruitfulness any day. In verse Acts chapter 6, 1 and 7, the number of disciples was increasing. <sighs> so the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem rapidly increased, and large numbers of priests. So friends, what I'm trying to say is that Jerusalem's going pretty good. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I would take those Jerusalem numbers any day. I would take that Jerusalem fruit any day. But the only problem was he didn't say power is coming on you for one location in one reality, even if it's abundantly fruitful. You're going to be my witnesses where in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But so far, it's not that they haven't had persecution. They've had pushback. But they're swimming in a tidal wave of kingdom fruit. And I'm telling you, I would take that fruitfulness any day. And I'm telling you that just like them, I would probably get so caught up in what God is doing and be so excited that there'd probably be things in my heart like their heart that slip through the cracks. Does anyone ever have any cracks in their heart that some things kind of... The only problem is they hadn't fully obeyed to go into all the world. And here's what we see in the book of Acts, and here's what I'm arguing that I hope we can leverage in our generation. It wasn't until real adversity was leveraged against the church that they found another gear of obedience and got on to obey God's purposes. Acts chapter 8. I don't wish this on us. I don't wish this on anybody. But here's what happened. On Acts chapter 8, Saul was there approving of those who killed Stephen, the very first martyr who gave his life after Jesus died. Saul approved who would be Paul. On that day, help me out, Justin, it should be on the screen, Acts chapter 8, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all of them except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men came and they buried Stephen and they mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, oh, going house to house. He dragged off both men and women, and he put them in prison. And those who had been scattered, read it with me out loud, preached the word wherever they went. And I want you to see, for eight chapters of incredible fruit, I'm not harping on them. But Jesus said, go all the way. And because of all the things that are just happening here, it wasn't until outside pressure did they come awake to the reality by being forced 
to go and leave Jerusalem. And how many would say it's usually not until the heart attack you take your exercise and diet serious? It's just unfortunate. It's always like when the relationship falls apart, then you're, then you're finally willing to seek help and counsel. It's usually not until the panic or the anxiety attack do you start going, gosh, maybe I should take inventory of my life. This is human nature. How many give me a thumbs up? We usually don't change until we have to. I'm not being mean. I'm being honest. We usually don't change. We won't do things that we knew we were supposed to do until we're forced to do them. And here's what I'm saying. The church in America is not yet forced underground, but it might be coming someday. I'm not a prophet of doom. I'm a gospel preaching teacher. I love Jesus and he reigns on his throne. I'm just saying, what if we could learn things now as we feel some pressure, certainly. What if we could find a gear in the Holy Spirit where we could let the, the little adversity now, and it's genuine for many in this room, school teachers and others that are in vocations, that, that there really is a squeeze, legitimate squeeze. But I'm telling you, the squeeze is only going to be squeezed tighter. What if there is something in the grace of God we can discover now that we can begin to learn a new language, a new rhythm, a new way of living now so that when the stuff really hits the fan, there are people prepared and ready to say, I know where there's bread. I know how to live. We're prepared. We're living. We're leaning in. We're not caught off guard by the difficulty. No, we're hooked in to Jesus and his kingdom. I just think it's time, folks. I mean, obviously, our church, most people who come, they're like, where's all the people? Because this is a big building. The, the days of cozy just attend when you feel like life is getting too hard. Amen? And so when we gather, we're gathering not just because it's what good religious people, we're gathering to get a word, to get equipped, to encourage our brothers and sisters to press in, to keep going forward. Amen. And so they don't leave until they're forced to leave. Shocker. Human condition. But look at this. Look at this. This is so cool. In Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Philip went down to a city in Samaria. Everyone say, new territory. It's new territory. And he proclaimed the Messiah there. And when the crowd heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Read verse 8 with me. I love this. So there was great joy in that city. Somebody broke through. Oh, you got to hear me. Somebody broke through in the purposes of God for his global plan. Someone broke through. In Acts chapter 8, Jerusalem, all Judea, and Samaria, someone broke through. Come on, who believes God can raise up people, even in our midst, who can break through into new territories in our nation, in our region of obedience to the gospel for new and exciting things for Jesus to do, for Jesus to be glorified, and for the gospel to advance. And after Philip breaks through, then the apostles come and check on him. So they leave Jerusalem. Remember, they stayed back. All but the apostles were scattered. Verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard what happened in Samaria and that they accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. It was awesome. They laid hands on them. The Holy Spirit baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was amazing. The Spirit's working in Samaria. Do you see it? It's working in Jerusalem, Judea. 
He's working in Samaria. How many believe God still wants to work by his spirit in our time and in our generation? And after verse 25, they further proclaimed the word of the Lord. They testified about Jesus. Peter and John returned to Jerusalem. But look what they did. They learned new tricks. It's not, it's not how you would put it. They, they learned new rhythms. They started preaching the gospel in Samaritan villages too. Does everyone see it? The rings, that's part of our logo and our design. The rings, the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. It starts to expand. And I cannot overstate, as a teacher of the scriptures, the significant role that the persecution that was levied against the church played in getting the church to move further into God's plans and purposes for the nations. And I've already said it. This is what happens for almost all of us. We do not move until we have to. How many want to change that trend by the grace of God? It ain't going to come easy because everything in our cultural moment is to be complacent, indifferent, self-medicate, be busy but don't have any substance, have form but no fire, be, be wide but no depth. But how many would say it's going to cost us to shift and to find that gear of faithfulness in an hour like we're in now. It's hard. And I thought of these three questions. When adversity and persecution or difficulty comes, there's three things. They all start with S. I hope you remember them. Again, the notes are downloadable. When difficulty comes, it gives us three, three opportunities. Number one, what needs to stop? Everyone say stop. When something hits us, it's a great time in our life to go, what in my life should stop? Destructive habits, practices, or thoughts, or attitudes, or vices. How many are thankful that when you are literally stopped by large circumstances, you can partner with what's happening in the natural, in the spiritual, in the physical, in the emotional, in the relational? So in my life right now, I hope you revisit this this week in devotional time. Man, what, what things in my life that probably just should stop? How many could think of one or two just by raising their hands really quick? They should stop. I mean, I'm not being hard-lined. I'm just being honest. What should stop? Number two, a little more positive. What needs to start? Everyone say start. Maybe getting up a little earlier. Maybe the Bible before news and social media. Can I get an amen? I'm just saying it'll change your life if you reach for the scriptures before intaking the sewage. <laughs> I'm just serious. The life-giving water and the word, the bread of the word, to feast and to be satisfied in God before you open yourself up to the craziness of culture and the reality that is our world. What needs to stop? What needs to start? And here's something else. I love this. What needs to shift? Everyone say shift. It's a focus. It's a, it's, it's a vision. It's, a, it's the allocation of time. Like maybe I'm doing devotions, but the Holy Spirit's like, hey, I need more than five minutes. Praise God for the five minutes. Please hear chatty. Five minutes are better than zero minutes. But what needs to shift? A slight shift, a slight allocation, maybe of your time, your treasure, your talent. Maybe some of you, I, man, I've had so many exciting meetings about these. Uh, uh, I don't want to go there. I'll, I'll spend too much time. But the, God's about, God is shifting people right now. How many would say amen? People are like, well, maybe, maybe that passion is more than a passion. Maybe, that, maybe the Lord's calling me to step into a new territory. 
Anyone feel that? Like they're on the banks of the Jordan. They're like, maybe, maybe there's something new out ahead. There are many of us. So what needs to stop, start, and shift? That's easy to remember. That's what difficulty and adversity gives us the opportunity if we're responding to the grace of God. And I want to just declare this in faith. Our community, our community, Radiant Central Coast, needs a fill-up to break through. We need to take territory in Samaria, metaphorically. I'm praying someone raises up a Philip who, even in difficulty, they'll lead the charge into a new realm of obedience in their family, in their workplace, in our neighborhoods, and in our city. We need a Saul to get knocked off their horse and to get a vision with Jesus. Amen? I want to see God, I want to see God turn people inside out by an encounter with the gospel. Where they were going one way with such zeal and God can redirect all of their passion for his purposes. We need a saw. I'm praying someone, someone gets knocked off their horse this year and they just get t- taken up by a vision of Jesus. I'm praying for a Peter. I'm, just, I'm now quoting Acts 8, 9, and 10 by referencing the people. Who is willing to cross religious, cultural, and even personal boundaries of comfort and obedience to the vision of the Lord. That's Peter and Cornelius' house. But I know what all of us are thinking. I'm not Philip. He was one of the seven deacons of Acts 6. I mean, that's a pretty good, cool role to have, like one of the first deacons ever. I'm definitely not Saul, Paul. I didn't write 13 books of the Bible. Maybe there's more if you include Hebrews. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I've never appeared before kings to preach the gospel. And you're like, I'm definitely not Peter. I'm way smarter. No, I'm kidding. Sorry, Peter. Just kidding. I wasn't one of the 12 apostles who got to hang out with Jesus for three and a half years. So, Chad, those three don't apply to me. Gotcha. I saved my favorite story for last. And I think it's the most exciting because it's if you write yourself out of the story of God, you can't write yourself out of this next part of the story. Yes, God used Philip to break new ground in Samaria. Amen. Yes, God used used Saul. Yes, in a mega way, huge way. Yes, God used Peter to break new ground in Cornelius' house and and the Gentiles coming into the faith. But the most exciting thing about it is that we're still talking about Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. There's still not been any breakthrough in the ends of the earth. Are you tracking with me? Breakthrough in Jerusalem, big breakthrough. Breakthrough in Samaria, big breakthrough. Big breakthrough in Judea and Samaria, but no one has yet taken ground at the ends of the earth, obedience realm. And who was it? Was it the super gifted, super anointed, super trained, super spiritually elite, green beret forces? I don't know anything what I'm talking about. Verse 19 of Acts chapter 11, my favorite part. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. But read verse 20, first four, three words with me. Some of them, oh, say it again. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. 
The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. I am just tickled with all sorts of joy in God that it was, we don't know their names, but some of them took new territory in the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth mandate, and I'm so glad that they weren't the super spiritual, the people that we all would say we could never ascribe to. They were just ordinary people who were obeying an extraordinary God who would empower weak, humble vessels willing to obey him no matter the cost and no matter the consequence. People like you and me, People like you and me, I don't have a big platform or a big title. You may not either, but I can obey an extraordinary God who's promised to empower weak, humble vessels who are willing to obey no matter the cost and no matter the consequence. And this persecution that happened way back in Acts chapter 8, someone finally broke through at the ends of the earth. And these just some of them, that's all we know. There's some of them. Some of them went. Some of them, some of them like you and me can do that in the grace of God. Now we see adversity and persecution from four chapters earlier, 8, 9, 10, 11, four chapters earlier, are finally beginning to break new territory in the ends of the earth mandate. And I put this in my notes, let it be true of us. Let it be true of us, some of, some of them. Someone, someone recalibrated their, their outlook at work, began to view themselves not just as an employee, but an ambassador of the kingdom of God. Some of them in their relationships began to realize, oh my goodness, the influence I have is not just to increase my bottom line or my social standing, but it's to influence for the sake of the gospel. You get what I'm saying? Some of them, it's a shift of focus, a shift of mindset that I am here not for just the fruitfulness or the applause or the accolades of this age. I want to sow into the age to come the fruit that will last forever. God's kingdom purposes and plans. I love it. News got back to Jerusalem. And when they did it, they sent Barnabas to Antioch, the perfect candidate. I'll tell you why in a minute. And when Barnabas arrived at Antioch, remember when some of them spoke the word of the gospel to Gentiles, to Greeks? He was glad because he saw what the grace of God had done. How many believe in the power of the grace that Lance sang about today? The grace of God. And he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts fully devoted. And, and I love this about Barnabas. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. How many want to be a good man or woman full of the Holy Spirit and faith? And a great, look at that, a great, read it with me. It should be on the screen, I thought, maybe not. A great number of people were brought to the Lord. Someone broke through. And the point of today's talk adversity as a catalyst to advance God's purposes. The adversity that they face way back in chapter 8 has now served a purpose that no man could have written except for the architect and the author, the author, the, the, the alpha and the omega, the, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, Jesus Christ. How many believe he's able to work even in an hour like ours? if we'll have eyes to see and a heart that responds. 
He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And I'm praying, my, my prayer is this. I've had, I had a really exciting meeting today about, I'm sorry, this, this week about just some things that some of our own folks are dreaming about and new, new realms of obedience and stewarding God's call on their life. And, and I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit, even now, is just beginning to provoke you and agitate you in a good way. Where are those, are there areas in my life that I, I want to say a deeper yes to God's purposes? Are there areas in my life that when difficulty comes, I kind of neglect my primary responsibility to be a disciple of Jesus? I get bogged down and worried, but right now in the grace of God, I want to I learn a new way to live in light of difficulty coming against me. How many believe we can shift? We can stop, we can start, we can shift. I think it's so significant. I want to land the plane here. I just want to look very briefly at Barnabas. I want to do a whole series on Barnabas. The Lord just opened my heart about how unique of a, a man this was. He's the perfect guy that Jerusalem sent to Antioch, the encourager. How many need an encourager in their life? Come on, how many need an encourager? How many, if you think you need it, how many think God could use you to be an encourager in somebody's life? But the way I see it, I, I love that Barnabas is sent to see what's happening in Antioch where, where ordinary people are seeing extraordinary fruit because they were willing to obey Jesus no matter what. Where do we first meet Barnabas? This is just rapid fire. Way back in chapter 4. It says this, from time to time, in verse 34, people who owned land or houses sold them and they brought money from the sales and they put it at the apostles' feet. They distributed to anyone who had need. This is where we first meet him. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostle called Barnabas. So it was, a, it was a name, a nickname that he was given, which means son of encouragement. This man sold a field he owned and he bought money. He brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So here's what we, here's what, here's what, point number one. You think, Chad, I may never like go plant churches in the nations. This doesn't, still doesn't really apply to me. I sort of get adversity. I understand trials. I understand there's more I can definitely obey and probably agree with Jesus. But, but what I love about Barnabas is I see three big ways you can specifically jump into the purposes of God for our generation. How many think that the water is wide and deep enough for everyone to jump in and swim in the purposes of God? Come on, someone say amen. So number one, I think number one, you'd say, Chatty, how can I jump in? How do I, how do I, how do I shift? I can stop, I can start, I can shift. How do I let the adversity, difficulty, how can I participate in God's plans today? It's a great question. How, everybody wants to play, right? Every, no one wants to stay on the bench and not get picked. And how many believe God wants all hands on deck in our generation? No bench warmers. Come on, somebody. No bench warmers. And no just pew sitters. You have gifts and you have graces and talents and abilities that the Lord sovereignly gave you to, to receive and then to steward unto increase and to utilize to build up the church and to advance the kingdom. Every single person in the kingdom of God. And what I see is, number one, Barnabas models for us one of the primary ways we can participate in the purpose of God. Number one, by leveraging your resources to further God's purposes. It's right there in the text. 
He was an encourager. And we know that whatever other gifts he had, usually your heart will follow what you invest in. Oh, come on, someone say amen. You usually won't start running until you invest in some running shoes. Hello. You probably won't start working out or you'll just make it through January if you don't invest in a gym membership. Come on, somebody. Some of you have been coming here, and this isn't a hard, strong-arm, manipulative talk. I hardly ever talk. But maybe you're like, Chad, I don't feel connected to God's purposes. And my question is, are you sowing into God's kingdom purposes financially? If you're not doing that, it's going to be hard to motivate yourself anyway. Because you usually, it's a kingdom principle. You usually, the principle is this, you sow into what you want to grow into. And what we see here, point number one, why I think it was significant that Barnabas was the one who was sent to Antioch, was he models one of the primary ways all of us can just in, in an instant start participating in God's purposes by leveraging your resources to advance the kingdom of God. Giving to your local church, your time, treasure, and talent. Barnabas models for us how to leverage resources for the purpose of God. How many would say, already, I could probably grow in my participation? Okay, no one's excited about that. It's just there's too many promises that are connected to it. So do it. Start. Start. Leveraging your resources. Number two, Acts chapter 9 is the next time we see Brother Barnabas. Paul, Saul had just been blinded. A murderer's threats who's arresting Christians. The early church is not so sure this guy's legit, and every one of us would probably have the same hesitation. Like, this is the same guy who was trying to kill Christians. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. Look at this, but they were all afraid of him, and they didn't really believe he was a disciple. But Barnabas, someone say, but Barnabas. Oh, took him and brought him to the apostles. And he, Barnabas, told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, how the Lord spoke to him, and how in Damascus he preached fearlessly in the name of the Lord. So Saul stayed and he moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking the bold, boldly in the name of the Lord. Number two, Barnabas models how, number two, all of us can participate. We can leverage our relationships for the purposes of God. Resources starts with an R. Relationships. So, so you remember it. Every one of us can be, be someone who goes to bat for those around us. Even though they're a work in progress, we can be those who by the Spirit of God can see the grace of God at work and we can say, you know what? They're not a finished product, furthest thing from, but they're in the game. I believe in them and I'm here to walk with them so that they reach their potential. Oh, man, I like Barnabas. I told you I want to do a whole series on it. I, the Lord really stirred my heart about Barnabas today. So he, chapter 4, he used his resources. Chapter 9, he's now taking this guy everyone's afraid of. He's like, ex-murderer, do we believe? But he was willing to use relational equity to bring Saul in and to vouch for him because he knew he, he uh, you get what I'm saying. I'm belaboring the point. 
How many would say right now there are relationships that you've not stewarded but that God's given you for the sake of his kingdom and you want to go further in? To encourage, to call out the grace, to activate, to bring along in your community group or on your serve team or in your workplace or your prayer meeting that you do with your employees on the first day of the month or whatever it is. There's people in your life right now that you can pursue kingdom influence and and, and, uh, encouragement in the realm of your relationships. How many would say amen? Amen. And then number three, last one, and I'm done. Resources and relationships. And now look at this. In verse 25, back to Acts chapter 11. The third time we see Brother Barnabas. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Remember all this fruit's happening in Antioch. Because normal, everyday, ordinary people started to talk about Jesus. And the ends of the earth, the Gentiles are really coming in. And it says this, he went to look for Saul because he knew this is not a one-man show. How many would say the day of one-man Moses Christianity, it died with Jesus? Hello. The priesthood of all believers, there's one mediator, mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, and we all have access to him in his grace and his love. Every person in this room and those watching online, you're invited in through Jesus. And so Barnabas knows this is too big of a work for one guy. So he goes to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and they taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Here's what I want you to see. I wrote this note right here. This is huge. This is from a commentary. because I, I, I knew it was a long time from the last time we heard about Paul. To this moment in Antioch, they're guessing the best they can between six to nine years. Six to nine years, we don't hear from Brother Saul, who is Paul, his, his Roman name. Barnabas sees the grace of God. He's already shown that he stewarded resources and relationships for the kingdom. And he knows, I know a perfect guy for this role. And I love this. He has to go search for him because no doubt Saul has probably been kicked out of like regular places because everywhere he goes, he attracts persecution because of who he used to be before he met Jesus and then who he was for Jesus when he met Jesus. Amen. And so he's searching for this guy. He's like, I know the perfect guy for this exact scenario. I need to go get him for this role. And when he finds him, he brings him. And all that we know is, I, we don't know much from those six to nine years. You can read Galatians 1, like it says, what ha, what's happening to Saul, his, his downloads of revelation of the gospel of Jesus, all of this. But here's what I love. It took Barnabas to go find a man and to place him in his God-given role. And we see a new gear unleashed for the Apostle Paul to reach the ends of the nations. How many would say in this room there are people that need to be found by a friend, placed in their kingdom role, and set free to launch out into God's purposes for their life? Nobody. A few of you. I'm, bl I'm blown away that Barnabas finds the guy. So, I, mean, I would argue Saul finally finds a role that fits, that matches his call. And what we say is the rest is history. You and I are in a building in Santa Maria, California. We've heard the gospel. It's gone and it's still going around 
the world, but it's hard to overstate the significance of a Barnabas to find his friend and to say, I know the place for you. You were made for it. How many would say, Chad, it's not about, listen, when I say the word role, it's not about titles or business cards. Get open, no. But how, I, wanna, I wanna testify that there is, there is a unique and significant call that every single believer has to play in the kingdom of God. And we want you to find it. How many in your heart would say, Chatty, I want to find it. I want to land. I want to tap in to that role and that responsibility that God has for me by his grace. Amen. Adversity. No one goes all the way to Antioch, I would argue. Maybe they would have eventually. How do I know? I mean, there's no way to rewrite history. But it was suffer- It was adversity. That catapulted God's purposes to being fulfilled. How many believe God can catapult us into greater obedience to his plans and purposes right here and right now in 2022? Can you stand up on your feet as we close? Just take inventory just right now. How many have been encouraged or or at least provoked by the scriptures this morning? Just the Lord's really... I know there's more. And I want to declare in the grace of God today that there is an open door. Everyone say open door. There is an open door before all of us. Yeah, there may be a million closed doors. But I know if you're in Christ that there is a door that he has opened for us and he's inviting us to step into as a church. And I believe it's time, instead of adversity knocking us off of our horse, that doesn't mean you're a bad person if, if you, ha- listen, all of us, I, like I said, I, I, I had a few moments here in 2022 that felt oddly familiar. But I wanna say God, I think, in his grace, He's been faithful to stir my heart and to say, Chatty, you're not going back to that place. You're moving forward in my grace. Oh, come on, someone say amen. You're not going back there. You're moving forward in my grace. And so just ask yourself these few questions as we respond to the grace of God today. What needs to stop? Maybe in the trial you're facing, what needs to stop? Say, Holy Spirit, show me. Are there, are there habits? Are there, there vices? Are there things in my life that just need to stop? They need to meet the grace of God and the forgiveness and mercy of Jesus. They need to be washed away. And just say, Holy Spirit, help me. I want to stop those things that are not furthering your purposes in my life, for my life. And then maybe say, Holy Spirit, what needs to start? What are things that you've been saying Son or daughter, give yourself to me. Give yourself to this. It's time to start. Please, if if it's a list of a thousand things, that's probably not from the Lord. That's not how he works because that would overwhelm us. But one thing, say, Holy Spirit, what is one thing this week we can partner with together to start? As it pertains to your call, come to me. As it pertains to your commands, to lovingly obey me. As it pertains to your commission, to make disciples of others. And then I think this is where probably most of us live. 
in a big way? What needs to shift? A slight adjustment of time, treasure, or talent to further the cause of Christ and the kingdom of God. And I want to say today that adversity that you've faced or are currently facing is an opportunity to be catapulted into advancing God's purposes if you, in the grace of God, can respond and see the open door. And friends, you don't have to find that open door as if it's all dependent upon you. No, the Lord promised, I have all authority and I'm always with you to the end of the age, amen. I'm here right now. Let me lead your life. Let's just spend a few seconds here just responding. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, like we learned from Barnabas, there's three ways we can immediately step in to participating in your purpose, Lord, through our resources, through our relationships, and Father, through discovering in the grace of God those unique callings, that, that role or roles that you have for us in your kingdom. Father, I pray right now, just put your hand on your heart. I pray for a fresh download of encouragement that you have gifts and graces inside every person in this room and those watching online. Father, I'm asking over these next few days, weeks, months, and years, you would begin to draw out the grace that you've given your people as a deposit. And I pray, God, that everyone in this room and all three of those R's would be able to take a step through our resources, relationships, and our roles and responsibilities. Holy Spirit, would you come with great encouragement. You're the comforter and you're the empowerer for the people of God. In Jesus' mighty name, we all said amen and amen. I love you guys. Have a great week. If you need prayer, please come up front. Don't be shy. If not, we'll see you this week at the altars. Love you guys.